This is Legacy Battle. Make sure you hit that like and subscribe button on whatever you're watching on. I am Michael Adams, creator of Legacy Battle. My panelist tonight from the Gridiron Battle Zone, Brian King. We're joined by a special guest tonight. He's an 11-year NHL veteran center. He's played with the Whalers, Leafs, Blues, Capitals, and the Mighty Ducks in their very first season of existence. He led that team in scoring. He's got two 20-goal seasons under his belt. Strong face-off man. And he is in the Manitoba Hockey Hall of Fame. We have Terry Yeg here. Terry, thank you for coming on. Pleasure, fellas. Awesome. We're going to have an interview tonight with Terry. We're going to just run through his career here. And uh, Brian's going to start us out tonight. All right, Terry. Well, when, when you were seven years old, your family moved to, uh, to Manitoba from British Columbia. Uh, you played a lot of great hockey in that province with the Brandon Wheat Kings uh, junior hockey team. Uh, back in 2019, you were inducted into the Manitoba Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, there's some great names on that list. There's Bill Ranford and, and Ken Reggett and Otters Hedberg, uh, to name a few. They, they've all been on our show before. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your time with the Wheat Kings? And also, uh, what that Hall of Fame honor meant to you? Well, it was actually uh, it's actually a pretty special culmination of an entire career. I mean, you you start as a, a kid, right? At twelve years old, it was what I wanted to do. I wanted to play hockey, so I pretty much put every effort forward at everything I possibly could. At the time, there wasn't a lot of knowledge out there. We didn't have the internet. We figured things out ourselves. You talked to whoever you could. There weren't a lot of NHL players in Southern Manitoba walking around handing out advice. So, you know, we did the best that we could. And, um, you know, to get to play junior hockey in Brandon, an hour and a half from my hometown, my parents, my grandparents, my uncle, they came to every single game over the course of three seasons that I played there. Made that very special. Uh, you know, no opportunity to get homesick because I saw my parents twice a week during the, uh, you know, when you're a kid, you move away from home at 16. Uh, and the three years in Brandon were amazing. Obviously, uh, found, found got an opportunity to get drafted. Had a couple pretty good seasons there. My last year was uh, was a really nice season of 140 points, and uh, you know that got me started as, as a pro and got drafted by Hartford and spent some time in the American Hockey League and up and down I think 17 to 19 times before I finally managed to stick and um, get my career going with Hartford and then subsequently get picked up by the Mighty Ducks. So the trip goes on from there. And uh, 22 years later, I was finally finished. The body said it had enough and um, got the opportunity to get inducted to the Manitoba Hockey Hall of Fame, which kind of comes full circle all the way back to your, your home roots in Manitoba. And uh, that was quite an honor to get uh, inducted with uh, Kelly McCrimmon and Marty Murray, a couple other uh, former Brandon Weeking uh, people. Uh, Kelly obviously owned the team and coached it and managed it for many years. And Marty was a great player who won a Memorial Cup with the Weeking. So great group of guys. And uh, it's actually quite an honor. Nice. So you mentioned the Hartford Whalers. Uh, this is your first NHL team. I, I want to take you back to the, the Ron Francis trade. Francis out, John calling in. You're also called up, uh, I believe, for your first time that season. That's the 90-91 season? Yeah, I'd been called up a couple times. I'd had a few. I'd just have a, a couple games, two games in 88-89 and two games in 90-91 or 89-90. And then in that season, they traded uh, Colin for Francis, but they also traded uh, Wolf Samuelson for Zarley Zalapski. So that was also part of that deal. So it was basically a two-for-two two with, uh, I think, Scott Parker was uh, thrown in there as well as uh, an additional player. And my opportunity finally came 
that season as I had started off in the American Hockey League, um, it came uh, in, a, in an opportunity a couple, about a year and a half later, actually. I mean, I got a couple games. I played 19 games that year. But the real opportunity, uh, ironically, comes sometimes when you're not expecting it. So the first time I was uh, – first you know 10 12 times I was called up they call you up and they tell you it's like this is an opportunity for you to play um get yourself get your feet wet and you know try and stick well for some of us myself uh being one of those people that was very nerve-wracking and I think we put too much pressure on yourself you go out there you play safe and you don't actually do what you're supposed to do the irony is the one time the one time the first time I got called up and they said you're just coming up for one game because John Cullen ironically had been there for a little while but he'd been suspended for a game so he was going to be suspended for one game and they said we just want you to come up and play one game and then uh, we're going on a road trip so you're going back so I came down from Springfield uh, it's only 30 minutes away all I had was my suit came to the game and the first time I stepped on the ice I went straight to the net got a perfect rebound right on my stick uh, empty netter basically side door scored and then later in the game, I blocked a shot on a penalty kill and sent Mark Jansen's in on a breakaway. And he goes in and scores a game winner against uh, Curtis Joseph and the St. Louis Blues. And ironically, uh, there I am with two points in the first game. They said, listen, we want you to come on the road trip. But we were going to Canada, Ottawa and Montreal. And I didn't even have a toothbrush, let alone an overcoat. So well, I'm like, I'm getting on the bus. I leave my car there. I jump on the bus and headed up to Canada and I got to buy, I got to go to the hotel gift shop and buy a toothbrush and toothpaste and everything. I got one suit. I got, don't even have a change of socks. Uh, I don't have an overcoat, but I'm on a three day road trip to uh, Canada and ended up with a goal and the, an assist in the first period in Ottawa and a, and a game winning goal with uh, about a minute and a half left in the, in the first game in Ottawa. So I have four points in two games and that's when I finally was able to stick but it took an opportunity to play and not actually believe you were going to stick to uh, for me to relax enough to actually play my game and uh, show them that I could play at that level. Right. right. Well, uh, you alluded to it earlier, 1993, you, you joined the expansion mighty ducks of Anaheim um, ultimately became their leading scorer at the end of that season. Uh, what was it like playing for the ducks in their early days and, and how were you able to have so much success right away? Well, I think that's uh, that was the ultimate opportunity for me because you're coming from a team in Hartford where there's there's depth and it's already established. And then when you come to Anaheim, you're picked up as a an expansion player, and there's not a lot of um, there's not a lot of expectations. Everything was fun and new. The building was sold out every night, but we were all outcasts. We were all players that were left unprotected by other teams. So we all came in here with equal standing. And for me, that was a great opportunity. Again, another opportunity for me to relax just go out there and play the game that I can play and uh, I was fortunate we had some really good players and we ended up winning 33 hockey games we were only a few points out of making the playoffs we were in the playoff hunt right till the last week in the season so not only was it a great year personally but it was a great year for the hockey club I think we established not just us but Florida as well who came in the same season they established that there's a lot of good hockey players out there and if you put them together and you give them a coach um, and a great, exciting environment. Uh, you know, there's a lot of good players that deserve to be in the National Hockey League that can play. So expansion went rampant from there, as you know. Uh, you know, quickly moved from you know 18, 20 teams to now 32 in a short amount of time and 20 plus years. So they added, they added a, 
a team every other year at the basically at that pace, you know, beginning with uh, those early expansion days uh, in the early 90s. So a lot of fun. Uh, and I'm a great city. The building was absolutely beautiful. It still is to this day. And the organization was uh, first class all the way. And it was obviously a lot of fun to come and play somewhere different with uh, sun and palm trees. So October 19th, 1993, you get the, I'm pretty sure it's the first Mighty Ducks hat trick. So yes. what was what was going right for you that night? And, and um, you know, just, I know Troy Loney was your guy's captain, two-time Stanley Cup winner coming off two cups uh, in Pittsburgh, solid defenseman in Bobby Dulles. I mean, you used the word cast-offs, but you, you had a nice, nice mix. And, of course, Gihei Bear was just incredible in goal. Uh, so just maybe tell us about that hat trick and, and uh, you know, the experience of playing with some of those players. Yeah, I mean, that was uh, that was quite a that was quite a uh, way to start the season. We started the season with five games at home and we had a couple of wins or I think a win and a tie in the first five. So we kind of got off to a, a deep start and um, we went into New York. And, you know, as you all know, if you look at the record books, that team, the, the New York Rangers ended up winning the Stanley Cup that year. So that was a formidable team with the likes of Mark Messier and Brian Leach and Richter and goal. So it was a heck of a hockey team. And I think we came in there with no expectations and we just uh, did what we could to play the best game possible. And we came in there and for me, the puck was bouncing. I had a couple of uh, partial breakaways and managed to score a couple in the background and then a puck that bounced right to me that I fired over Richter's shoulder for the hat trick late in the game. And all of a sudden we look at, the score clock you know it's it's a process every single night you go in there you you do what you can you don't think about the win or the loss at the end of the game you just try and win one period one shift at a time and and uh, we stuck to the process that night and lo and behold at the end of the night we found ourselves the winners and as the story goes in the New York dressing room that was the the great awakening for them because they were embarrassed to lose to the Mighty Ducks but the reality was we weren't that bad a hockey team you know were we going to beat the New York Rangers in a seven game series? Probably not. But that one night we were good enough to get it done. And uh, it's a great memory. Well, like 1993 and 1994, you were leading the Ducks in scoring when they decided to deal you to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, was that something that you expected or what, what was your initial reaction when you heard that? No, that was a shock. And that was uh, obviously very disappointing. That was a contract dispute. We had just gone through, we were having a, uh, the NHL was going to start a lockout. So they were locked out uh, the first half of the 94, 95 season and contracts were obviously the big dispute. So uh, I was up for a potential pay raise and the mighty ducks were probably not going to give it to me, but arbitration was probably going to get it for me. And, you know, the, the answer was just simply no. So uh, something that was done absolutely terrible, terrible job by my agent. Uh, not keeping me aware, not keeping, you know, the organization aware of the fact that I wanted to stay here. And I would have loved to have been in Anaheim for multiple years. And unfortunately, it was a, uh, a quite a setback in my career because I went to a team in Toronto where they had six or eight quality players up front that were all clearly better than me from Doug Gilmore, Matt Sundin, Mike Gartner, uh, uh, Randy, Randy Wood, Nikolai Boroshevsky. I mean, they had a lot of quality players there. Mike Ridley. And I wasn't going to crack the top six in Toronto. It was just, it was just not something that could be. I mean, we ended up beating the Toronto Maple Leafs as Mighty Ducks the year before multiple times with the same guys. But when you play on a night-to-night -night basis, 
uh, it's not something that it's not, it's not a group that I'm going to get ice time over. So it ended up putting me in a bad situation. And I found myself uh, floundering in the American hockey league for a year and a half after trying to find my way back to the national hockey league before I finally got back with St. Louis. So not something I'm fond of, and it's not a good memory. And I would prefer to, uh, you know, put that one behind me. I've, I've tried to close the door on it because overall things work out pretty well, but uh, you know, I was really disappointed at that, uh, at that situation. And Toronto was not very friendly to me as a, as a player or a person because of uh, you know, the fact that we're there to play hockey and I didn't get an opportunity to play there. So you're on a very small list of players that have been picked in two expansion drafts. What, we just talked about the Ducks one. What happened with the Thrashers that you ended up not being on that team? Was it that, you know, St. Louis just really wanted you back or, or what, what, what happened with that? Well, that was an interesting scenario. We went to uh, Atlanta. Don Waddell was the general manager and Kurt Frazier was the coach. And, and they told us, they told us to get a house. So I bought a house. I was one of a, a eight or 10 guys that were told to get a home. I was playing over 20 minutes a game in the, uh, preseason I was playing the point on the power play so it seemed like hockey wise everything was going to be fine halfway through training camp about the middle of September the ownership group sold to another group and the second group came in and said that we don't want to win too many hockey games this year we want to build through the draft so we're going to be you know we're going to play some young guys and the team that you thought based on the training camp roster would have been there uh, at the start of the season there was only a handful of guys that were still there at the end of the year. They basically played a lot of kids. They found themselves, you know, high in the draft so they could get eventually get an Ilya Kovalchuk and Danny Heatley and some other guys that became stars for them. So organizationally wise, that was probably the right move. So late in training camp, I didn't even get to the regular season late in training camp. They decided to put me on waivers and a, and a few other guys that were going to end up leaving the organization. And when I got put on waivers, St. Louis blues picked me back up and, um, I became their, you know, the third season back in St. Louis as Mr. Versatile. I think I had a few guys in my, uh, in my court there, Mike Kitchen, who was with me in Toronto, Joel Quenville, who I played with in, in um, Hartford and was also the coach for two years there. And then Jimmy Roberts was my coach at Springfield in 1991 and coach in Hartford. So I had three guys that who knew me and knew that I could come back and help as a depth player, um, play on the fourth line if necessary, or fill in on a first or second line status and we went in and that team in St. Louis ended up having the best record in the National Hockey League that year and won the president's trophy. So, you know, I think they were looking to make sure that there was plenty of depth and I was one of those depth pieces. Well, speaking of St. Louis, on April 27th, 1998, game three of the Western Conference quarterfinals, the Blues trailed Luke Robitaille and the LA Kings 3-0 heading into the third period. Uh, but your Blues rallied, tied the game up, and then with about seven minutes left in the game, you scored the game winner. Uh, what do you remember about that goal, and, and how were the Blues able to turn things around so dramatically? Well, I remember it like it was yesterday. Probably one of the greatest moments in my career. Probably one of the – it's uh, it's Monday Night Miracle, too. Uh, we were playing – it was game three. We were up two games to nothing. We were down three nothing, I believe, going into the third period. And um, – there was an incidental, we'll call it an incidental contact by uh, Jeff Cortnell on Jamie Store, the goaltender. And then Sean O'Donnell jumped Jeff Cortnell and ended up getting a five-minute major. So we had a five-minute power play. And ironically, we didn't score in the first two and a half plus minutes of the power play. And then Brett Hall gets one. 
Pierre Turgeon gets one. Um, and I think somebody else, Jim Campbell, maybe gets one. And suddenly we find ourselves tied with about a minute left of the power play. And of course, the momentum at this point had changed, but we're still in the power play. And, you know, we, uh, we ended up with a faceoff just inside the uh, blue line. I won the draw back. It went D to D shot and Jamie Storm mishandled the rebound and right on my stick for an empty net. And there we are four, three. And then the boys shut the door. Of course, Grant Furin net, Al McKinnis and Chris Pronger on the point. Uh, we had the ability and a president's, you know, a very top team, a top three, four team in the national hockey. We had the ability to shut that door and, and uh, close them out. So it was a great win. And we ended up sweeping the series four nothing before uh, going on to the next round. So Great moment, uh, great hockey game, and uh, yeah, it was uh, it was quite an experience. So we'll get you out of here with this tonight. Um, what can we find Terry Yake doing now? What 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 are you up to these days? Well, I'm coaching a couple of uh, teams out here in Southern California, a couple of AAA teams, and I'm working for a buddy of mine doing some consulting, uh, doing some paperwork, books for him out here in California, enjoying the sun and. Uh, loving life in Southern California. When you can play golf 12 months a year, it's pretty hard to complain. As you can tell, those aren't fake palm trees behind me. Those are real palm trees. So uh, enjoying life in Southern California and uh, still have a house in St. Louis. I still have my uh, roots there. Still go back there for Christmas and multiple events during the year, but uh, enjoying life out here and trying to find a way to make ends meet. Excellent. Thank you for joining us, Terry. We, we, we appreciate your time. Pleasure, fellas. Good job, and I uh, look forward to talking to you. Excellent. I want to remind everybody, hit that subscribe and like button. Thank you for watching. Check out all our hockey shows in the archives. Lots of teams, lots of players. Uh, there's somebody that you're going to like in there, we promise you. Everyone have a great night. We'll see you next time.